This is the Tana Talks podcast, where we break all of the social media rules and we just keep it real. No filters, no Photoshop, just real people having real talks. I'm your host, Montana Duran. Okay, today we are going to be having back on the show Dylan Coke, and I like to have like positive talks on Thursdays, but honestly, I've just been like over the last few days, like just had a pit in my stomach and I have really nothing that I can like say about the topic because I can't speak from it because I haven't experienced it. And so like, I wanted to have Dylan back on the show because he's been on before and I really just love his heart. And I really just wanted to get um, kind of his perspective and his story and his, how he's processing. Because I think that like when we all, um, have these conversations, it can't, we just have to, we just have to have more of them. And I love Dylan and I like, am so thankful for him to come on here. And so hi Dylan. Hey Montana. It's been an eventful 24 hours, I'll tell you that. Very eventful. But glad you sent the call to have me back to talk about pretty much all that's been going on and, you know, just to have dialogue about it. So, yeah, where should we get started? Yeah. Do you want to kind of touch on what exactly we're talking about? Okay. Cool, cool. Like the events themselves? Mm-hmm. So for those who do not know, um, all this transpired in the course of 24 hours. We've had our third um, big news headline regarding a person of color and um, regarding them dying in a sense. So uh, the first one everybody knew about Ahmad, and then the second one was Brianna, and now the third one is George Floyd. And his news came recently, yesterday, when uh, an officer in Minnesota um, had his knee on his neck after he was detained, like handcuffs on his back, and then um, George was asking, literally pleading for his life, saying, I can't breathe. Please get off of my neck. Um, literally saying, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And the fact of the matter is the video that was posted that was shared by a lot of people uh, was 10 minutes long. And you can tell if you watch the whole thing that by around minute four or five, uh, George was uh, dead. The officer um, continued to keep his neck on his, his knee on his neck. Uh, and he kept it there the entire time, even though he was in handcuffs, even though he was detained. And knowing that he was already in a position where the situation is already handled, he's already in cuffs, he's already detained, he could already, and if there was still some resistance, you had four other, you had three other cops with you in the moment that could have also helped out with the situation. And you could even move your knee from his neck to his back. And you can still have him down until the time came to put him into the car and send him to the precinct to get booked. So... 
my thing is with that is it just doesn't it just doesn't sit well with me at all knowing how it seems like we're going on another trend uh like another downward spiral because this all seems like the same stories that we had in 2014 and 2015 um regarding uh Mike Brown and Trayvon Martin Flando Castile and others so many others that yeah that covered our headlines and timelines for months and seeing how this is our third third one in the course of like a couple of weeks i feel like we're now heading towards that trend again and even in those months like even in 2014 2015 when these things did occur and happen it was more of a a fear that's that struck a lot of people of color in this time time period because we didn't know whether uh, walking at night could be our last night alive, whether driving, hold on a second, whether driving your car even a little bit over the speed limit would be your last time driving because you don't know the nature of the cop that's pulling you over. If he had a bad day or if there was some issues going on personally or that even if you met the qualifications or the the list of um, descriptions for a suspect, you didn't know what all that would entail until you have that experience and encounter. And I remember, I think I got pulled over twice in 2015. Um, and I think, I don't think I've gotten pulled over since then because yikes, we, it was just out of fear. I just didn't want to go through that. Like that it's, it's, I'll go into that later, but it, when I got pulled over the first time, I was heading home from work and it was late at night because I was on the closing shift. I used to work at Chick-fil-A and I was driving and normally the roads are very well lit, so I couldn't tell if my high, my headlights were on in my car just because the road, you can't really tell what lights are on until you get to a dark part in the street. So my headlights were off, and then I turned them on when I found out that they weren't on originally. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, immediately when I turned them on, a cop came up out of the like a ditch, a side ditch, and like followed me a little bit, lights on, and pulled me over. Um, Immediately, it was a sense of shock that hit my body just because I've just seen a story like this where someone in my position just got either a, like brutally beaten or murdered because of the same type of situation if it was just a regular traffic stop. So, of course, my heart's going a thousand miles a minute and I already had like my license registration already in my hand because I didn't want to go searching for it or reaching for something. And then they misconstrue what I'm reaching for, even though it's my license to be a weapon or something. And then that can open the can of what's going to happen to me. So when the cop came to my window, he was like, uh, do you know, I pulled you over. I'm like, yes, sir. I was driving and I found out that my headlights weren't on until I got to a dark part of the road. And normally the road that I drive on is very um, well lit and I didn't want to have that problem. So I'm sorry, sir. Um, here's my license registration. He, was, he took it back to the car. 
And of course, I didn't move. My hands were still on the wheel. I didn't want to make any false movements because he can come back and, or he could see something from his car and come back and be like, what's going on in there? Is he trying to hide something or stuff like that? So he came back and gave me a warning, seeing it was like my first time being pulled over. And he was just like, just make sure you um, keep your lights on uh, or just remember to check to turn your lights on before you leave somewhere. And I'm like, yes, sir. And then we parted ways. But um, were you scared like in that moment? Like, oh, terrified, terrified. Because I didn't know what would be the what would be the result or the actions that would follow even though I am I was at the time what five years ago saying 23 I was like probably 17 18 years old I was still a big boy because I was playing football so of course they had to we had to bulk up and get ready for that but knowing that like even me being that young and also tall and big like I could be in that position where he can feel threatened by me just because I'm a bigger person, even though he was, you know, the same, pretty much a little taller and the same weight as me, like it can come off as threatening. And I was terrified. Like, honestly, even to this day, I, it's, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to grasp being on a road and having a cop pull me over. That's why when I'm driving on the road and I might be getting close to the point where I am speeding and I look at my speedometer and it's like, I'm in a 65 and I'm probably going 73 or 74. I immediately drop down. And then when I see state patrol lurking in the, in the side, I immediately tense up and I have like a cold sweat all over me every single time I drive. And it's just like. Do incidents like over the past few weeks, does that make it, that much more fearful like in your everyday life like how how does it affect you day to day yeah um it it has affected me even more just because it's certain situations that we even seen like it's 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 hard because it hits home even more and when looking at it it's it's hard because like of course, I drive around every day and stuff like that. But like, honestly, I drive my car. I have to make deliveries for my mom in certain neighborhoods where I have to go and drop off stuff at the door and leave in a in a neighborhood where it's more mostly a predominantly um, white area or stuff like that. And I'm just making a simple drop off and doing stuff and heading out. Like even in those moments, I even get tense too because I don't want a neighbor being like, "Oh, there's a man." Uh, pulling up to random houses and dropping stuff and we don't know his intentions and they can call the cops on me. And that could be another thing too. But honestly, the biggest thing recently is like whenever I leave my house to either do something or go somewhere or I don't know if it's just like going to a store, getting food or coming back home, the goal is to get back home alive. And that's that's like the new thing where we're all like, what's our next steps? What should we be doing? It's like, get home. Everything else will work out in itself later on. Just make sure you get home. Get home to your family. Get home to your friends. Get home to your roommates. Make sure that you are alive to tell the tale. Just get home. 
And this is now our normal. This is now a part of the, this is, this is a part of our, our normal. This is a part of my life. And I have to go through it every single day. And I have to deal with this every single day. And I, I, and when I was born, I didn't ask to be black. It was given to me. God was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put you in a toaster oven a little longer and you're going to come out and you'll be like, wow, here you go. But I never asked. I'm literally crying. Sit down. It's like I never asked to be black, but I've been giving the skin color and I was like, I'm in this world. And it's like, one thing I will say, I will never trade away my blackness for anything else, just because the culture and everything that we get to be a part of, even though there's a lot of bad, there's still a whole lot of good too. But when, when it gets rough and hard, I'd be like, sometimes I question God, like, why? Why did you make me this color? Why did you, why do I have to grow up in, with this family? Why can't I grow up with this family? And growing up, that was a lot of questions. I'm like, well, this person's doing this and they don't have to worry about this and that, but why do I have to worry about this and that? And, you know, when it's all said and done off of that, it's just <sighs> knowing that you, you make it home I still keep saying just make it home because that just it's just a, such a big deal because one of our friends, he called me last night too. It was even recent as well. He got pulled over because he fit the description of a suspect. But the thing was, it said that a man, a black man was waving a gun in a green, a green Dodge Charger, but he drives a great Challenger. But since he still fit the description, which was black, he still got pulled over for it. So... It's, it's, it's a rude, it's a, it's a crazy thing. And it's just, it's, it's just something that we, we have to deal with now more than ever, especially in the climate that we're in. Like everybody thinks that Corona is the only pandemic that we're facing right now. When if we want to be quite frank and honest, racism is a pandemic as well. And we've been going through that for a long time. I read, a quote, I think I wrote it down, but I read a quote when I was just trying to figure out my words to say, because I was planning on planning on going live later with a, a friend. And the thing was, is like, I found this quote and it was literally saying that everybody's supposed to say that we're supposed to be living, my, my, my people, my black people are supposed to be living in freedom and that we have so much freedom given to us that we have we shouldn't be complaining or we shouldn't be angry or stuff about certain things. But if you really want to think about it for the 400 years that we've been in this country, 246 of the years have been of slavery. And then if we go to 89 of those years after slavery was in reconstruction and segregation. So technically since what nine, like close to, we've been in close to, since 1964 and about maybe 66 years of freedom, that's pretty much it. And now we're trying to figure out what, what are we supposed to, how are we supposed to maneuver past all the stuff that we've been brought up into and what generations have been up, been brought up to. And then also we have to also realize that the stuff that was taught during segregation by the grandparents are now being taught to the parents. And now the parents in this present day is now teaching it to their children. So things that happened in the past 
tends to recycle back into the present. And we're now trying to figure out where did this come from, but we don't understand that this is still a new thing for all of us to understand because it's only been so, it's only been such a short period of time, even though it seems like it's been a long time, it's only been 66 years. It's crazy that you say that because for so long, like I never saw where I was part of the problem, I guess, because I thought like, oh, because I surround myself with all these people that makes up for it. And when I was younger, I remember growing up in a really small town and I remember like not caring about the friends I had or the people I associated with, but then the people that were like, quote unquote, my childhood friends started seeing me hang out with these people. They started calling me names and being so rude to me. And and that's when I started realizing like, wait, this is still a thing. And they learned it from their parents and all this. And it's just, it makes me so sad that it's because it was swept under the rug for so long and nobody wanted to talk about it. And, you know, nobody still wants to talk about it. And then when something like this happens, we talk about it for the news cycle and then we just nothing ever seems to change. And it's so heartbreaking for, for me, I can't imagine how you feel and how everybody else that is a minority. And I even saw that I was talking to someone and even the term minority, like what is that? And, and things like that, like, why do we put these labels and just causes so much division? It's just, it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I I feel this way. I can't imagine what other people, what people that are directly affected by it feel. And I am just, I, I'm sorry, but what can I do? What can I do? So, um, I'm actually going to pull this up just so I don't misquote, but, um, my sister who is a uh, social media activist. Um, She posted a lot of uh, things that are helpful resources and tools that can, you know, help in these aspects as well. So I'm gonna find what she said and then just read off of what she said too, because she posted a few. I appreciate that and I will like, Find her on social media. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. I don't want it to just be like, oh, we had a podcast about it. And then, oh, okay, I did my part that way. No, like I want to actively like be doing what is most beneficial. And I think sometimes it's just sitting here and listening to people talk and tell their stories. Literally, that's it's I've and to be surprised, I've had a lot of these conversations in the past 24 hours as well. People would send me DMs like, bro, what what can I be doing? I don't feel like I'm doing enough or why? What should I say? Because I don't want to just generalize and put you in a box or I don't want to just, you know just be insensitive to what's going on. Yeah. And literally that's 
the case with a lot of things, but um, where is it? We are still trying to find it. So. Okay, cool. We are here. Okay, cool. So what she was saying in her post was um, reading the signals. She called it reading the signals. And what, um, if you're trying to be a quote unquote ally, someone who wants to further the cause of these type of racial issues and and have conversation, she was saying that number one uh, is listen. In listening, uh, allow people of color to be heard as we share experiences and explain things. Allow yourself the chance to learn, understand, empathize without interruption or making excuses. So that's the first step that she said. And the second one is amplify. So amplify is uh, people of color don't always have the opportunity to have their work or words shared to vast audiences. So help their messages by reaching the people who need them by using the platform that you've been giving to highlight them and um, make sure that you just give them their credit when it was due. And then when the time comes, speak about it. If you witness injustice, call it out. Hear a microaggression at, if you hear a microaggression at work, correct it and then share your knowledge with those who don't know and assist us in the work of racial reconciliation. So she went ahead and put that out. And that's what she said on the matter. And it's true. It's like you have to, it always first starts by listening to what people have to say about the issues that don't look like you. So like how, when you called me up to talk about it, I'm like, okay, sure. And like when other people were asking me, like, what am I, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be saying? How am I supposed to be reacting? Like, it's the, always the first step is to listen and um, let them get what they have to say across without maybe coming up with a counter argument or uh, I call them fan fictions of what the situation may be. Because sometimes when I've, I've had conversations in the past where topics like this came up and then I would always have a counter argument saying that well why why are we trying to like he he was he did this this and that in his past and all this extra stuff and I'm like in order for you to address a situation about somebody's past that's null and void compared to the situation that's at hand um some people are like but he was he he's he was a criminal he went to jail but like okay He's out now. It's the inhumanity. It's the inhumanity. It's pretty much like they're trying to come up with things to counter protest what we're trying to say. But whenever I do have a talk with people or the stuff, the talks I've been having recently, it's, it doesn't matter what the person, like what happened with the person or what you thought happened with the person when it's all said and done, the first thing they are is a human. So of course you're supposed to, instead of look on whether he's Democrat or Republican, whether the situation that happened was this or that, think of the humanity first. If you see that whatever injustice was done, the fact of the matter is it was done. 
if they died, we can't go back in time and say, this could have happened differently if he would have done this or if he would have done that. And even when video evidence is presented, like it's still an issue, it's still a problem. And it's really hard, even in certain Christian spaces, when we're trying to address these type of things and top of topics, sometimes it gets maybe five minutes of recognition and it's swept under the rug and onto the next topic. When it's when it's when it's supposed to be said, like if you think about, I always think about like two at two two times in Jesus's life. If you want to get biblical about it, where in one stance, I think it's all in the same week before he was like died on the cross. Like he went to the temple and he was like, "What is going on in here?" And he addresses the, the issues and situations that he saw prevalent in the temple. He started to flip tables and make a whip and start going crazy. Yeah. So of course, Jesus, even in his in his moments, were like, "This isn't how it's supposed to be going on," and I'm here to try and make sure it's addressed. And I'm like, I'm heated because y'all did this when it was supposed to be this. And of course, you're supposed to have your flipping tables moments. But later on down the line, he while he was on the cross, of course, there were criminals everywhere. The criminal next to him. He said, you know what, even though you're a criminal, you ask me, what can I do? Like, can't let me be like, what can I do to be with you when I die? And he's like, today you're going to be in paradise with me. And his last words, he was giving out forgiveness. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. So in the same in the same space, yes, there's moments where you're supposed to be like, bow, bow, flip tables, get angry, understand holy aggression, I would call it. But in the second space, offer forgiveness and forgive people who don't think the same way as you or the same way towards the same topic, just because if they're trying to learn more about it, that shows that they're trying to um, not be a part of the problem in the future. So that's what I think about that. I just want you to know that I like greatly appreciate you coming on here and talking like when this first happened you were the first person that like came to my mind because you know when I watched that the videos from a few weeks ago and like you see that and it's literally in in Georgia that's what made it even worse like and you think I think about all my friends that that could have like been my friend and I just want you to know like how much I appreciate you and you like coming up I mean coming on here like today like when I just reached out to you today like that means so much to me and I just love what you said about like just make it home and then we'll be able to like tell the story because um I just love you and I appreciate you so much like this has really been um I just appreciate you I hope you know that appreciate you too and I'll I'll end and I'll also end with this like my last maybe closing statement yes and i don't know what you're gonna ask or say later but um i say for the people who i say look like me or are in the same space as me um the first thing that's the best thing to do is allow them to have time to grieve and to process everything that's been going on because I know in the media, when we're, we're posting, like a lot of people repost the video 
And a lot of people reposted old videos like from Ahmad. And then even back in the day with Flando when he was in his car. So there was one situation where a man was in his car and he had his wife and daughter in the backseat and they showed the video of, of like the bullets yeah. in it. Yeah. Like that's traumatic. And we now see the videos. And now when we see it initially, they're like, dang, this happened. What the heck is going on? But then when everybody's reposting it to their stories, it's like we constantly see it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now trauma turns into PTSD. And now we're trying to figure out why are we in slumps of depression? Why are we going through this again? It's just because we're used to seeing this so much and seeing things as many times as normal. And I feel like even with the George case, um, situations that lead to, if you think about what happened with the lady in uh, Central Park, when she was asked, a man was walking in the park and just asked her to put her dog on the leash. She immediately called the police and saying that the man, black man in the Mm -hmm. park is trying to assault me and my dog and it's just aggravating and stuff like that and then like even though she falsified a phone call to the police that stuff could have caused what happened to george if the cops came and was on her side who knows what would have happened to the black man that was in the park as well it's and especially central park is known for historic cases with that type of stuff going on like with the central park five and all this extra stuff like it it's it's really hard for us to try and be in a moment where we're trying to help and inform and um inform and uh to see and to spread our cause to to everybody for a lot of people to hear it but at the same time in the same breath once we get our point across and we think we're moving on then it can get trauma it can get uh it can add to a new level of trauma when we have to rewatch and we see so for the people who do repost it which is we're not saying don't post about it just because of our personal things. Post it if you feel like it. And it shows at, if it shows that you're trying to show light to what's going on, by all means do. But in the same breath, like also make sure another helpful tip is that you check in on your black friends or your, if it's, if it's a, if it's a, happens to be a Hispanic video, check on your Hispanic friends. Like make sure that the ones that are witnessing the trauma that you make sure and you check on them to see if they are okay. Because it can build up to a point where it's just like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted of seeing all of this on my timeline. I'm exhausted of hearing about this on the news. And it's the point where it's just like, I need a break. I need to breathe. And I need someone to check up on me. So if, if I can leave anything with this, it's just make sure that you do check up on your friends that are minorities when it's affecting them the most, because who knows what even your words, if you're checking on them, can even call, give them release and peace in a moment, even for a moment, even for a moment. And the fact that you're reaching out to them shows that you care and you're considering what they're going through and considering that. The, the, the issues that they are going through too, you feel for them as well. So that's what I'll leave off with. That's what I'll leave off with. No, seriously, thank you for that. Bringing awareness to like me on that. I never thought about it in that way. So thank you for bringing that awareness and the advice. 
I am going to do that. And once again, thank you for being on here. Um, I know it's like a heavier topic, but I, um, I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Problem. I love you. Love you too. Bye. I know that this was a harder topic, but thank you for listening. Thank you for hearing my friend. Um, it truly broke my heart. I was crying in the middle of this because these are things that we don't think about, guys, but we have to think about them. We have to do better. We are one humanity. We have to love and we have to do better, guys. People shouldn't be scared to leave their house and be scared that they're never going to get home. That's a very real fear for many people, and I hope that this shed light on a very dark topic for you. I just want you guys to know that I love you. I mean, there is power in your story, and we have more in common than we do apart, and we have to be there for each other. I love you. I mean it. I'll see you Tuesday.